0: morning everybody morning. now you won't be tested on how to pronounce my last name if you saw it in writing it's not squiggly it's not schrage and there's a lot of other iterations just think smoggy or foggy and shroggy fits right in all right uh i just a little bit about myself uh was the oldest of nine kids um, on a farm that my father ran just 30 miles east of st louis so i'm from illinois And one of the big things before we get into the sermon, and and it'll be an illustrated point here, is that in that area, though you're in Illinois, there is a huge rivalry in baseball between the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, I need to ask here, although we're pretty far away from that region, are there any Cub fans here? Oh, dear. You're my enemy. But you notice there's only one. Surely there's got to be more than one cardinal fan here. None. Oh my. Okay. Mono to mano. Oh, we got one. All right. So the the issue and why I bring that up is this is that people who are cub fans are passionate. They wear the blue. Matter of fact, my sister defected from Cardinal Land and went to Chicago, and they actually had that paraphernalia in the engagements. Ceremonies of her son and daughter, both of them, before they got married. They're, they're fanatical when it comes to being Cardinal fans. They have stickers on their cars. They now have a summer home in Florida so they can watch them in spring training. It is crazy. I have a person next to me in Joplin, Missouri, who is from Viking land. They have purple on their mailbox. Can you believe it? Next across the street, somebody from Green Bay. No, they're all I right, too. But my point in all of this as I talk about in the sermon will be about discipling, is the fact that we all are discipled and we all make disciples. Another way we say that is the fans. We, some of us are iPhone, others are Android. Some of us are Chevy, others are Ford. Some of us are Japanese models, some of us are American only. Some of us are clubs, some of us are Cardinals. Some of us are Vikings, some of us are Green Bay. We have passions about certain things. We've been discipled. And we will do many, many funny things and spend lots of money to ensure that those around us understand who we have been discipled by. Understand our fan club. Understand our fan base. And so I'm excited, aren't you, this morning that we are the fans of Jesus Christ. Amen? We are disciples of Jesus Christ. We are on the sports team, on the army of Jesus Christ. That is our fan club. That is our fan base and that is what we should be wearing proudly and boldly every day. Now I want to pause just a little bit right here and say just a plug for the ministry that I do represent of GNPI or Good News Productions International. We basically create media to share Jesus to expand the fan base if you will, disciple making around the world. We do that by training other people how in Kenya, for example, to use technology today to create media in their own language of Swahili. Or in Mexico, it'd be in Spanish. Or in India, it would be Hindi. And we have 28 of those kinds of offices. I would enjoin you and welcome you to pray for us, though you don't know me well. You could go to the website of simply gnpi.org, Because we feel God's put it on our heart that over the next seven years, we want to share a billion that's a B. A billion gospel invitations around the world. And with media, we believe we can do that. It is something that during Jesus' day, there were road systems. During the middle times in Europe, there was a printing press. This little thing that we carry in our pockets and our purses is incredibly, incredibly powerful to redeem it. And use it not for wasting hours, and getting stuck in pornographic stuff, or just flipping and scrolling through TikTok and whatever and entertain, we feel God has given us that tool to go to places we can never travel, to get and permeate through Islamic walls that otherwise could never get there. And so we want to do that. And just to give you an idea of what a billion is like, if I have lived a million seconds, I've lived 12 days. If I've lived a billion seconds, I've lived 31 years. That's the difference. And we just reached 8 billion people on planet Earth. And we are told by all statistics that basically about a quarter of them, 2 billion, are followers of Jesus, are in the fan club. 6 billion, billion are not. And of that, half of those, 3 billion, have no access. They don't know a Christian. They may not even have yet the scriptures in their own language. They have no Christian radio station. They have no abilities to even hear who Jesus is. Shouldn't we change that story? And that's what we're going to talk about and look at as we bring this home today, as we talk about the fact that we need as the fans of Jesus Christ, to be able to make disciples and multiply. This isn't going to be rocket science. It's probably something your Pastor Scott has shared before. But it is the primal reason on why we exist as the church. If we lose this one, we might as well be a social club without a dignified purpose of even existing. My friends, I am, as I said, the oldest of nine children. My family knew how to multiply. (laughs) And we were on a farm, and in that farm we had two things that we really did. We had two and three different kinds of crops. How many here are farmers? Now we know two things about farming. Number one, if you plant something, you better get a harvest. And number two, if you have animals, they better know how to do one thing really well multiply. Except unless you have the pet pony that we had, and my dog Tabby, and four or five house cats. They would probably be okay if we didn't want them to multiply. But the pigs we had, the chickens we had, the cattle we had, they had to multiply. The corn we planted, the soybean we planted, the wheat we sowed, it had to produce. Are you with me? If they did not, we went hungry. It was simple economics of farming. That same principle is involved in the gospel and is involved in the church of Jesus Christ. If we do not multiply, I like with one old sage, uh, old Chinese man that had been asked by church uh, people who are statisticians, they wanted to know the number of Christians in China. And they had put before him, he was a massively influential leader, and they had put a particular number in front of him, and said that this is the number of Christians that we have best been able to calculate in the, your country of China. And he went on and continued to sip his tea and tip his, sip his tea, and really didn't have much comment. And they said, but what do you think? Isn't that fabulous what God has been doing? And he poured another spot of tea. And they went on to say that we've verified this number and this is the number and so forth. And then he finally said, I don't agree with your number. And I said, "Well, why?" He said, "Because for the ones that we are in, we don't even count a person a Christian until they have brought somebody else to Jesus Christ." Did you hear me? Did you hear what he said? Now, I took biology in high school and I took biology in college and he's spot on. One of the things to multiply and one of the things to say that you are actually a living organism is that you can multiply. And this guy is saying, if that Christian in our country, of China, is taking up space and eating food and worshiping with us and does not know how to multiply, he's still not one of us. He's not a fan. He's not a church follower, because if he knew the lordship of Jesus, he would multiply. Period. Just like my dad had nine kids. They knew how to multiply. Just like we are in the church, we need to know how to produce and to multiply. And therefore, Jesus said these words, very basic, fundamental, foundational. You've heard them before from Matthew 28 and verse 18. And I will underscore them again. All authority in heaven and on earth. Has been given to me. Lord Jesus is speaking. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And do what? Do what, church? Make disciples. Multiply. So the question is begged. If he's Lord, I need to obey. If I obey, I multiply. The question is, am I? Am I sharing my faith, being bold in my prayers, being intentional in my lifestyle to multiply? Well, Mike, you don't know my life. I'm really a busy person. I mean, I go up, I got three kids. I don't have the time to do this and that and the other. Yeah. Jesus knows that. And yet he told us as his fan base, he told us as his church to do that one simple thing that we already know how to do, and that is to disciple and to multiply. And I say that we know how to do it because when I come home, my father is now passed, Many people who knew my dad would say, wow, Mike, (laughs) you talk just like your dad. You act, your mannerisms are spooky. They're just like your dad all over again. You have red hair like your dad, what's left of it. You have just the love for German food like your dad. You like clean vehicles like your dad. You are one who likes everything aligned like your dad. But like your mom, You love Jesus. Like your mom, you are tender hearted. Like your mom, you are a guy who prays. You see, I have been discipled by my dad. I have been discipled by my mom. And I am the product of that discipling. Even if you ask them, did you disciple your son today? No, but I swatted him twice. (laughs) Discipling is an organic happening that has happened to you. You have been discipled. Like it or not. You walk like your mom, you walk like your dad, you comb your hair like your dad, you love the same foods. you make the same recipes. You are like your parents because you were discipled. Now, how many of you are parents? You are in the process right now of discipling. You don't wake up in the morning and go, okay honey, we have to disciple our little Johnny today, you know that right? (laughs) No. We make sure that the diapers change. We make sure that they go to second grade. That we make sure that they are in high school. We are in a discipling process, moment by moment, incrementally, for 18 years under my roof. As the one guy said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. And while you don't take them out, they are then under your roof and being discipled. Jesus knows And he instituted the family. He knows the discipling process, that slow simmer of bringing a child into the world and learning from you and understanding from you and mannerisms that come from you. They inherit that. So one day, when you're gone, they do and replicate the very same thing again and multiply. Multiply. So Jesus knows that multiplying and discipleship, my question to us is, why do we make in the church disciple-making something so exotically hard and different, which shouldn't be? And when I was in Kenya, it's something that my Kenyan brothers and sisters so in our 20 years there taught me that they were much more in a discipling mode and an intentional organicness of helping just in the rhythms of life bring people along as followers, as fans of Jesus Christ. You know, you are, as I said, a disciple of your parents. I am a discipled product of my parents. You are creating disciples with your children, they have adopted your practices, your passions, your preferences. And so disciple making in the process of parenthood, in the process of being an avid sports fan, in the process of being a strong advocate of one kind of implement over another, of another manufacturer over another, is something that's very easy and natural. Why should it not be that way in the church? And so I want to go back from that Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. All the way back a few chapters to Matthew 28, 24, verse 14. Here Jesus says another, and it's probably again a rather popular passage of scripture for you that says basically in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now I love my mama. She's the reason I'm in the kingdom of God is because of her prayers. But there is something that I strongly still disagree with my mom. Because she's always saying, oh, I can't wait. Jesus is going to come before I'm going to just go be raptured into heaven. Now, she may have an inside track of something I don't know about. On Jesus' plan of when he's coming back. But the thing I say to her is, but mom, my heart aches. For the millions and billions of people who don't know Jesus, if He closes the envelope of time now, what are the numbers that are going to go to a Christless eternity? God, help me accelerate disciple-making. God, help us obey as a church. God, help us redeem the time. Amen? Then the end will come. Then He can come and I'll shout hallelujah. But until then, there's too much trouble. There's too much brokenness. There's too much lostness for me to say, come Lord Jesus now. Me, my wife, my three kids, the grands, we're all ready. What about the other six billion? Lord, let my heart break with the things that break your heart. It puts you on a cross. And he died there for a Muslim as much as he died for a Mike. He died there as much for a Buddhist as he died for a Bob. He died there just as much for a Hindu as he did for a Helen. Do we believe that? Church, do we live that? if we know how to be discipled as children of our parents, if we know how to disciple our own very children, if we know how to be fans of sports clubs and the like, why can we not, with intentionality and purposefulness, disciple our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues, our extended family, whatever, and whomever God puts us in our midst. Is it that hard? All authority has been given to me. Therefore go. And I am not coming back until all have heard this gospel. So we just had Jesus button down the beginning and the end with those two passages of scripture. Are you with me, Church? And we're the ones in between. We are the ones. In between. Now I am amazed. <laughs> I have worked in Kenya. I have worked at training people to be winners of souls and church planters and disciple makers. <laughs> oh, or the, humanity is a broken lot. <laughs> and yet Jesus started with 12 people who were uneducated, uninformed, and rather poor. And he had a vision, my Lord had a vision, that with these 12 men, he was going to reach, at this point in our eternity measuring increments of time, 8 billion people. God, I got 12 of them here. They are going to do my disciple making. And one day, you're going to see it. One day, they're going to reach 8 billion people. And God's going, oh my son. (laughs) Have you seen Peter? (laughs) Oh, and by the way, you got this one that's a traitor in the blot. And yet, Jesus poured three years of majestic training into 12 men. And he was so confident that his strategy would one day multiply and reach to my very life and generation in this city, in this country, while you're living and breathing in these chairs. Jesus knew you would be sitting there today, and yet he invested in Peter. Jesus knew you would be here as a grandma, and yet he invested in Nathaniel today. Jesus knew you would be here, and yet he invested even in Judas Knowing that the process works of disciple-making. Isn't that something? Now, if the Lord of Lords and King of Kings is so convinced that the process works, people, let's work the process. I am a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. One of the famous things that Andy Reid, their head coach, says, and that now his players say, is that what? You come in, you work the process. And what that means is there is a certain culture. There's a certain way you handle yourself in the clubhouse. There's a certain way you're going to talk to the people in the sports arena. There's a certain way you're going to practice. There's a certain way you're going to reply. You work the process. Now church... If a little bitty NFL football team can figure out a process that brings them winning, can we not, with a head coach like Jesus Christ, do better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let him speak to us, let him coach us. He's already said it's not shocking. That you're doing this because you are discipled. You have discipled. And I'm just asking you to apply that which you've done organically with people to now do that organically with souls. That is what he's after. And as we then begin to look at another passage from Matthew, this one in now Matthew 25 verse 1, we see the idea of multiplying disciples. I want you to took and put on the vision hat or goggles of a farmer. Someone We talked in the beginning about someone who wants to plant and produce. And or take care of animals and they multiply. I want you to look at it through that lens. Because he says there, as he gives those several parables, he says, At the time the kingdom of heaven will be like. And then he goes on to give several illustrations. First, he talks about the ten virgins five ready, five that are not. First question to us as a church in making and multiplying are you ready? Are you a disciple? That's the first process. I like what John Wooden, who has won 17 college championships before he passed away of the UCLA Bruins, when they would bring these prima donna high school. Really great athletes, and they bring him on the first day of practice in front of John Wooden, and they couldn't wait to get the basketball and go ahead and show how they had their moves and how well they could shoot and everything. <laughs> he didn't even bring a basketball to the, game, to the workout for a week. He actually taught them how to retie their shoes. That's how fundamental it became for John Wooden. He said, because if you don't tie your shoes right and you have socks that bunch up, if I get a blister on that foot of yours, you're worthless to me. Church, we have to get back to the basics. And the basics is, do we know Jesus ourselves? Is he our alive and present leader in our hearts? Is he the Lord of our homes? Is he the God of our community? Is he the one in our company? And then secondly, if that is a yes, then we can move on from that illustration about being yes. We are of the tribe of the five virgins who were ready. Okay. Now, Jesus says again, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. First part, let's be ready. First parable. Now, the next one is, we're going to read this in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, that it says these words. It's a little bit of a long passage, but I think you'll enjoy it as we read starting in verse 14. And I'll start it with actually the quote there that we've heard before. And the gospel of the king... Oh, sorry, I switched here. I'm on the wrong... Pardon me. 14. Parable of the talents. Again, this will be like the man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted property to them. To the one he gave five talents of money, to another two, and to the other one talent. Each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came before the master and said, I knew you were a hard man. Harvesting, notice that that's farming terminology. Are you with me? Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering, that's another farming term, where you have not scattered what? Seed. Another farming term. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him, give it to the one who has the ten, for everyone who has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Here we see that Jesus says that my father will be happy with people who multiply. And is quite graphic with the fact that he's not so happy with those who do not. Now, those are Jesus' words and Jesus' story. But we are a church, big C, not just church here, at grace, but big C church with a huge harvest field that God has given us both command and technology and authority to go and to move and to harvest. My friends, since COVID, I have traveled not quite as much, but I have come from Ghana. I have been to India. I have been to South Africa, Ethiopia, Sudan, and Kenya, and Uganda. And I can tell you that since COVID, God is moving. You may feel that the churches are only 80% back. Since COVID in attendance in America. You may feel that the church in America has lost her steam. And that may be a bit true. But let me be as one who sees from a window of the world. God is on the move. God is discipling people. God is growing a church in Africa. In Southeast Asia. In among uh, Muslim countries. Like never before. There are entire movements. Movements of disciple-making inside of Islam right now that cannot be stopped. That is the God that the church in Worthington serves. Would you like to be with Him? Would you like to be more of a multiplier? I believe God has two and five talent people in this room. Let us live to our potential. Let us breathe life and encouragement to one another. We already know how to disciple His children. We already know how to be a fan of a sports club. Let us be a disciple and fan of Jesus Christ. Amen? That is what we want. So as we look in finishing, I want us to share this idea. That Jesus' words were not just words. They were a command. Number two, Jesus had a vision for you and me that started with 12 people, and it worked. The process worked. Amen. I'm a follower of Jesus, are you? If you are, the process worked. The good news has changed hands and through hands and lips and persecution and country and language and millennia and has moved down. Isn't that remarkable? Think of it. It has moved through how many different languages, how many different eons, how many different cultures, and it reached me. Jesus, the process worked. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's work the process. Amen. Let's work the process. And finally, let us not be like the unwise and lazy one. I don't want to be that kind of person. Do you? You work hard in you as a mother. You work hard in your workplace. You work hard in this church as a volunteer. Let us work hard in working the process of making disciples so that we can make and multiply. In closing, America has 330 million, give or take, citizens. Did you know that that is roughly 5% of the population on our planet? Just another way of describing the work that is still there for you and me. Do we need tools? Oh, yeah. Do we need prayer? Amen. Do we need an anointing from God? Absolutely. And we need an obedient church that works the process. So let's obey, let's not bury. All right? Number two, let's farm, not retire. And number three, let's be a movement of Jesus that makes disciples, who makes disciples, who makes disciples. Father, I thank you for this church and its privileged opportunity to let me come and share from your most holy word to them, a most holy people. People in this pew, these chairs who have been sanctified by the one and only blood of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Ones who have been given a new name. Ones who have been given a promise to be up in heaven and worshiping you with the 24 elders and the myriads of angels along with Gabriel and Michael and others to worship like we've never worshipped before forever and ever. And yet until that time, Jesus, you want us to feel your authority and obey your leadership and work the process of making disciples who make disciples who make disciples father we are only small in number and yet we are 10 times bigger than the number you started with you had 12 we have more education than they do we have more money than they do we have more insight than they do we have seen a backlog on history of the church that they were living in and did not see lord we are an advantaged people let us use those advantages to honor you, to obey you, to multiply, and to produce disciples. And we'll be very careful, God, to give you the honor and the glory as our worship to you for whatever happens in Jesus' name. Amen.